Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional, a podcast that dives into the stories of people's lives, everyday people like you and me, or even famous people throughout history. But we want to get you, the listener, involved as well. So if you have stories, things that have happened to you, amazing things, hilarious things, random things, whatever it may be, send your stories to the true and fictional at gmail.com. So until then, we're going to dive into some of the interesting true stories from modern history and beyond. So strap in, it's story time. Well, how are you, Ryan? I'm good, how are you? It's been like forever. It has, it really has. Um... So, a while ago, we did an episode on April Fool's jokes did, yes. and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to tell you it was around April. Um, I'm pretty sure it was around April. Yeah. Early April. Let's just go with that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're going to revisit, um, I guess, in the same vein kind of thing, we're going to check out some of the hoaxes mm-hmm. of history. Um, this is from an article that's about all about the the greatest hoaxes of all time. And let's see if they're actually as great as they think they are. <laughs> or, or, or which ones they're going, okay, I want this many and I've got to figure out. Yeah. You, know, you, you, they, you, you can throw... tell when they sign a taper off towards the end. Yeah. It's just like, Barry from HR <laughs> told me that Cindy slept with Jim. <laughs> greatest hoax of all time. Oh, but sounds... she didn't. She slept with Bob. Sounds like a plot from Neighbours. Yeah, probably. Um, or Home and Away or something d- d- like that. That's just something I found, like, because I don't watch tel- television, proper television, but occasionally I walk in a room and the TV's on and it's got those ads, like, for, you know, like, the daily soap operas or whatever. And yeah, that, windswept that, gentlemen. There's, and, there's oh. that, that, um, the voiceover for an ad, like, coming up, you know, you know the, you know, the, like, will Carrie tell David the truth? You know, that kind of voiceover. And then the camera will, like, zoom yeah, in on yeah. the dude's... Yeah. yeah, but, no, but, like, <laughs> like, like Neighbours and Home and Away. I'm sorry if people out there love that. I'm um, not. Good. Um, <laughs> I don't like but, people who... I have a friend but, who loves... She loves Home and Away, and I did say it when we used to talk a lot. I couldn't ring her between 7 and 7.30 because <laughs> Home and Away was on. No, but, like, the, the ads would be, like... Like the most mundane thing because they're running out of plot. Yeah, of course. Will Alex remember to take out the garbage? Will Jeremy catch that big wave down at Palm Beach? (laughs) Will Alf say Flame and (laughs) Galar one more time? Tune in in three weeks' time because that's how long the plots take to expand. He missed. He missed the wave. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, look. And then they advertise there's going to be a death on Home and Away, but it's actually one the actor's career that's going to die. But we have to remember, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> came from Home and Away. Oh no! Look, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth came but from Home not, and Away. It's, it's not like he was like I'm on Home and Away for ten seasons. He was on for a little while. Ryan Ryan Quanton as well, who um, I don't think you've watched it, but was in True Blood for a long, long, long time, which mm-hmm. was very popular. He came from Home and Away, mm-hmm. um, but then we also got Alf Stewart. Where where has he been? Uh, he's doing a what lot of GoDaddy ads. It's like a it's like a app. It's a website creator, but they've called it GoDaddy. Yeah. So anyway, nothing yes. we talk about are hoaxes here, but no. Let's get into the hoaxes. Well, have you seen been witnessed any hoaxes? 
in your lifetime? Um, not really, no. To be to be honest, to be brutally honest with you, I haven't really. No, I, I remember. No. I remember ten, fifteen years, maybe even longer than that. There was everyone in Sydney was going. There's a UFO. There's a UFO. And everyone, <laughs> yeah, and it was just it was the blimp. Yeah, <laughs> like the a lot of people thought there was something to do with. Do you remember the dust storms we had, where yeah. Sydney was like red for a few yeah. days? People thought that that was some sort of alien thing yeah. too, even though there was a perfectly reasonable explanation for it. Yeah. But I remember one of my friends, you you know, Goz, yeah. his wife um, went out and took. Uh, they've got the photo on their um, on their wall. Absolutely beautiful of, of like the the redness of Kings yeah. Park. Yeah. With dust still sprinkling oh, right. around, yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. really good. I'll try and yeah. find the photo, but um, yeah. So there was look, look. My dad took some a lot of good photos as well. It's, but people, there were people out there saying it's the end of days. It's, it's, the aliens are coming from Independence yeah. Day and all that kind of <laughs> thing. So yeah, look, you know, yeah, look, some yeah. people look for any excuse for something like that. Yeah, but um, there are hoaxes yeah. and there are non hoaxes. I mean, I mean, do I really want to come? clean on this this podcast about you know a hoax being not a hoax even though people think it's a hoax i'm too that's too many hoaxes i'm confused the blue mountains panther oh the blue mountains panther you know everyone laughs and jokes about it i once upon a time laughed and joked about the panther and they're going oh there's a panther right yeah until i saw it and i'm not cray cray because bowen mountain forever <laughs> bowen mountain forever um no look i saw it Okay. I haven't, it's, but I haven't been and, looking. And so. like people go laugh, they laugh, and they go, "It's a, it's just it's just a feral cat." And when there's a big jump between. Oh, there is. Yeah, cats are just like even yeah. the biggest cats even, you see. Yeah, yeah, even like like the feral cats, like they get probably twice, three times the size. Of, yeah, of but a they're regular still cat. not a size but, of a but, panther. But from that to like yeah. a panther, and you question. I was just all day thinking it over, replaying it over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over and over, and you just like, there's no way you can mistake that no. for anything other I, than you, even a dog. You can mistake it for a dog. Yeah. There's some pretty big dogs out there, yeah. but no, I, I'm 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 open for hoaxes. Yeah. Like if the disproving hoaxes and yeah. stuff like that, I'm a, I'm a massive Loch Ness monster fan, as we discussed yeah. in a previous. Day. I I honestly believe it's real. Mm. I believe there's something in there, like. Do I do I believe it's you know uh, Godzilla situation where it's frozen from the prehistoric <laughs> yeah. era? Probably not, but it just no. could be a creature. Yeah. And one day I vow to go to Loch to Loch Ness. Loch Ness. I, I don't even care if I don't see anything. Yeah. I just want to go. Like it's a pilgrimage. Yeah, you know that's my pilgrimage. But um, anyway, let's get into these some yeah. of these ones. I'll let you take the first one, Jamie. Is that the one that says number one? Yes. And we haven't, I don't think we've read this article yet, so well, yeah, let's no. hope it's good. So, how April Fool's Day didn't get its name? As Joseph Boskin would tell you, the origins of April Fool's are murky. In fact, the Boston University professor and pop culture historian was trying to say that just that in a 1983 interview with reporter Fred Bales. But each time Boskin told Bales that no one is quite sure how the holiday started, the interviewer pushed him for a more concrete answer. Eventually, the academic got fed up with the aggressive questioning and decided to con- concoct a story <laughs> worth printing. Wow, Fred! Uh, Fred, uh, our friend um, Fred Bales, he, he's he's <laughs> pushing the hard, the hard, the uh, the hard yeah. question, didn't yeah. he? When was April Fool created? Yeah. So, off the top of his head, Boskin began regaling Bales with a tale from the days when Constantine ruled Rome 
just as he said, petitioned the emperor to allow one of their own the chance to rule for just one day. On April 1st, Constantine relented a jester, King Google, Google, uh, Boskin, named him for the Jewish pudding dish. Um, took over and proclaimed that April 1st would always serve as 24 hours of silliness. Boskin later said he made the story so absurd that Bales would have to catch on. No dice. <laughs> the app ran Bales' story about King Google, and soon <laughs> Boskin was fielding calls from news outlets across the country. He initially kept up the ruse, but a few weeks later the truth slipped out during one of his lectures about the media's willingness to believe rumours. The editor of the school paper was in the class, and the campus daily free press ran a headline declaring Professor Fool's AP. Once the truth was out, the AP was predictably predictably her- embarrassed, but the story has a happy ending. Bale's no longer an eager reporter, is now a professor of journalism at BU, uh, where he can speak from personal experience about the media's gullibility. You know what? I'm a fan of this guy because you know how media can be yeah. such arrogant yeah. D-bags and they're just like pushing and pushing. They all just want to get the latest photo or the latest scoop or yeah. you know they want to get to it first and especially in our age now with the internet and Facebook yeah. and yeah. you know, I'm good on him. I, yeah. I, I really like that one because yeah. he concocted something so unbelievable yeah. and he's like, this guy's not going to... Yeah. And then they ran it. And then you know what? <laughs> I would have been... that. I support that. Yeah. I really do. Because yeah. it was an, it was time for them to get a bit of their own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but the next one. The birth of the bathtub. December 20 gets no respect. On the calendar, it's just another winter day best known for not being Christmas. But in 1917, writer H.L. Mencken set out to change that. When readers of the New York Evening Mail opened the paper in late December, they found Mencken's 1,800-word essay, A Neglected Anniversary, detailing the arrival of the bathtub in the United States. Mencken meticulously catalogued the tub's rocky debut in 1842, explaining how the bathroom fad had caught on only after Millard Fillmore installed one in the White House. Mm-hmm. By the 20th century, Mencken had explained the momentous anniversary had fallen into obscurity, not a plumber fired a salute, he lamented. Not a governor proclaimed a prayer. There's a good reason why. Mencken had made the whole thing up. The humorous figured everyone would see through the ruse and later wrote that in his in the article that it was harmless fun, meant to distract readers from World War One. It never occurred to me I would be taken seriously, he wrote. But printing the piece in the evening mail gave Mencken's little joke extra credibility and he was stunned by how the story snowballed. Within a few years, it had been referenced in learned journals... <laughs> and cited on the floor of Congress. The tale became so pervasive that the Boston Herald ran an article in 1926 debunking it under the headline, The American Public Will Swallow Anything. Three weeks later, the same paper cited Mencken's bathtub origin state tale (laughs) as fact. Mencken tried to set the record straight, but efforts were futile. People were more interested in hearing about President Fillmore's tub than hearing the truth. (laughs) Even today, the nugget resurfaces from time to time. In 2008, the story was featured in a Kia ad, which hailed Fillmore as best remembered as the first president to have a running water bathtub. Poor guy can't even be remembered for something (laughs) he actually did. Oh, wow. Um, Another another case of, no one's going to believe it. Yeah, well... <laughs> you know, the the um even today the you know average Joe is pretty gullible. 
Well, look, when the media, you know, I, I honestly can tell you why I think this worked because it was about something so mundane, something so yeah unimportant. Yeah. that people are just like um, why would you make that up it must yeah. be true it's about yeah. a bathtub it's not like he said the invention of the television or, yeah. or anything yeah. like that I think that's why the the, the, the more basic you make the yeah. hoax the more chances there are for people to believe it yeah that's right so I think that was a good one Sherlock Holmes finds the missing link <laughs> oh wow <laughs> I even know where this is going I haven't read it yet but I know where it's going ever since Darwin published on the origin of species, scientists have been looking for the missing link, a transitional fossil that would seal the argument for human evolution in 1912. An amateur geologist and archaeologist named Charles Brown found it. The skull he had pulled from a gravel pit in Pitttown, England, Piltdown, England, sorry, um, seemed to conclusively fit the part, and the discovery rocketed the scientific community. Skeptics claimed the fossil was exactly what it looked like a human skull cobbled together with an ape jaw to fool gullible scientists in the ensuing excitement. Believers shouted down deniers and in December 1912, the Geological Society of London hosted a ceremony where where Dawson presented his fossil, the Piltdown Man. The doubters continued doubting until 1917 when researchers discovered a similar fossil nearby the Piltdown. Faithful were thrilled. The new, the new find, Piltdown the second, seemingly legitimized the old one, but the Piltdown man's scientific legitimacy gradually eroded over the new, the next few decades. Other early human skulls began popping up in China and Africa, and each had an ape-like skull with a human jaw, the opposite of the Piltdown combo. The jig was finally up in 1953 after conducting tests on the skull. Anthropologist Joseph Weiner. Funny name. <laughs> and geologist Kenneth Oakley. Oh, that name's not funny. Um, determined Piltdown Man was no man at all. Rather, he was a combination of man, the skull, orangutan, the jaw, and chimp, the teeth. What's more, fluorine dating showed that the bones were no more than 100,000 years old. Certainly not new, but not missing link ancient. The head looked older only because the hoaxes pervert perpetrator had stained it with iron and chromic acid while the hoax was eventually exposed the prankster behind the caper is still at large uh-huh. <laughs> Dawson is the most likely culprit but literally but literary sleuths have turned their suspicions to another man Sherlock Holmes creator Sir Arthur Conan Doyle <laughs> not only was Conan Doyle a member of Dawson's archaeology society and a frequent visitor to the Piltdown site, he hinted in his novel The Lost World that faking bones is no tougher than forging a photograph, the ultimate smoking gun, if only Holmes were on the case. <laughs> yeah, wow, I like that, that very, one. Very dragged out hoax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See? He's playing the long game. Yeah. But imagine if it was. Like, see, I like ones that have a bit of intrigue. You yeah. still don't know yeah. who did it. Like, um... Oh, what's his name? That English, English Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Though they found found they reckon they found out who he was a couple of years back. Yeah. Who knows? But um, I think I saw. Wasn't he on Supernatural? <laughs> Probably. Uh, who knows? But, okay. Yeah, that's accurate. It is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one is called the world's worst bestseller, 
Everyone knows you can't judge a book by its cover, but the aphorism got an extra dose of validity in 1969 when Penelope Ash, a bored Long Island housewife, wrote the trashy sensation Naked Came the Stranger. As part of her book tour, Ash appeared on the talk shows and made the bookstore rounds. But Ash wasn't what her book jacket claimed. The author was as fictional as the novel she supposedly wrote. And both were the work of Mike McGrady, a Newsday columnist disgusted with the lurid state of the modern bestseller. Instead of complaining, he decided to expose the problem by writing a book of zero redeeming social value and even less literacy merit. He enlisted the help of 24 Newsday colleagues, tasking each of them with a chapter, and instructed them that there should be an unremitting emphasis on sex. He also warned that true excellence in writing will be quickly blue-penciled into oblivion. Once McGrady had the smutty chapters in hand, which included acrobatic trysts in toll booths, encounters with progressive rabbis, and cameos by Shetland ponies, he painstakingly edited the prose to make it worse. In 1969, an independent publisher released the first edition of Naked Came the Stranger, with the part of Penelope Ash played by McGrady's sister-in-law. To the journalist's dismay, his cynical plot worked. The media was all too fascinated by the salacious daydreams of a demure housewife author, and through the New York Times wrote, in the category of erotic fantasy, this one rates about a C. The public didn't mind. By the time McGrady revealed his hoax a few months later, the novel had already moved 20,000 copies. Far from sinking the book's prospects, the press pushed sales even higher. By the end of the year, there were more than 100,000 copies in print, and the novel had spent 13 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. As of 2012, the tome had sold nearly 400,000 copies, mostly to readers who were in on the joke, but in 1990, McGrady told Newsday that he couldn't stop thinking about those first sales. What has always worried me are the 20,000 people who bought it before the hoax was exposed. <laughs> so there you go. Get 24 of your workmates, give them a chapter each, fill it with smut, you got a bestseller. <laughs> what does that show about our literacy world? Well, you know. Um. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> All right, the next one. Bipedal beavers, unicorns, and other moon monsters. <laughs> Much like submarines, submarine sandwiches, and the U.S. Constitution, <laughs> the ethics of journalism were still evolving in the early 19th century. One rule that hadn't totally sunk in yet. Don't ply your readers with outright fabrications. The newspapers of the day routinely manufactured stories to generate sales, but none was as outrageous as New York City rag The Sun's Great Moon Hoax, a series of six articles publishing in 1835 about the discovery of civilizations on the moon. The articles claimed that a British astronomer named John Herschel had used a powerful new telescope to spot plants, unicorns, <laughs> bipedal beavers, and winged humans there. The articles even went a step further, claiming that our angelic moon brethren collected fruit, built temples from sapphire, and lived in total harmony. The hoax was debunked immediately, soon after the first instalment ran in the sun. Its uptown competition, the New York Herald, slammed the story under the headline, The Astronomer... I can never say that Astronomical. Word. Astronomical. Astronomical. Astronomical hoax explained. But the American public preferred a universe dotted with angels, unicorns, and bedazzled architecture. <laughs> the story created such a buzz that papers around the world rushed to reprint it, while a theatre company in New York worked on a dramatic staging. Before long, the sun was made 
Uh, the Sun was making extra coins selling pamphlets of the whole series and lithographic prints that depicted life on the moon. It took five years for the story's writer, Richard Adams Locke, to finally confess to making it all up. As he wrote in The New World, his intention was to satirise theological and devotional encroachments upon the legitimate province of science. But in all this, the thing we, can, we can't believe is that no New York team has embraced the moon beaver as its <laughs> mascot. Here's another ex, another another um another thing where people will believe anything. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can sum it up to. People will believe anything. Because I think a lot of people just don't want to look into things. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Oh man, uh, that's um. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the next one is called the super group that never got to rock. Music fans got exciting news in 1969 when Rolling Stone magazine reviewed the first album by the Mars Marauders, a supergroup featuring Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Due to legal issues with their respective labels, the star's name would appear would would, would sorry, would not appear on the cover. But the review extolled the virtues of Dylan's new deep bass voice and the record's 18-minute cover songs. One of the album's highlights was an extended jam between bass player bass guitar and piano with Paul McCartney playing both parts. The writer earnestly concluded, it can truly be said that this album is more than a more than a way of life. It is life. For anyone paying attention, the absurd details added up to a clear hoax. The man behind the gag, editor Greil Marcus, was fed up with the supergroup trend and figured that if he peppered a piece with enough fabrication, readers would pick up on the joke. As usual, <laughs> they didn't. They did. After reading the review, fans were desperate to get their hands on the Mars Marauders album. Rather than fess up, Marcus dug into his heels and took his prank to the next level. He recruited an obscure San Francisco band to record a spoof album, then scored a distribution deal with Warner Brothers. (laughs) After little radio promotion, the Mars Marauders' self-titled debut album sold 100,000 copies. For its part, Warner Brothers decided to let fans in on the joke after they bought the album. Each sleeve included the Rolling Stone review, along with linear notes that read, In a world of sham, the Mars Marauders, bless their hearts, are the genuine article. And funny enough, that, that thing would probably be worth a bit of money now. Oh, you like, definitely you know, would have. Yeah, would, you know, yeah. there's only 100,000 out yeah. there. You know how many are still sitting around, but I thought that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I, when I read that one, I thought I have, yeah. to, I have to bring that one up, being yeah. a musician. So that was pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, speaking of um, hoaxes, um, one of my favourite comedians is Ross Noble. And he's been known to do a lot of (laughs) wacky uh, practical jokes. I mean, there was the dance party in a service station that he did once (laughs) after one gig. Yeah. They just rock, after a gig, he just rocked up to um, the parking lot and like one at a time people would just rock up and start dancing and like, next thing you know you got like a hundred people dancing in a parking lot and then and then the poor guy behind the counter looks out and apparently he called the cops and everyone just ran um, <laughs> but um, apparently he used to hack into well not hacking but you know Wikipedia you can basically yeah. type it and he basically said that Ray Martin has for those playing at home Ray, Ray Martin is was a TV what was he like presenter? Yeah, he's like he, he started a current affair, uh, an Australian sort of 
60 minutes kind of show. Yeah. Um, he's gone on to do like shows like This Is Your Life. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like he's like a, a, a major news presenter. I think he's yeah. retired now. He doesn't yeah. do much. But um, yeah, so apparently he has child feet and he has to wear shoes within his shoes or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's spread like wildfire for a while. Wow. But, Poor Ray. He's already had to deal with the plastic hair rumors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the, but I'd believe it. I believe Ross yeah. Noble. The, uh, the practical joke that takes the cake for me was um, he got about 500 people to ring up in, in the UK to ring mm-hmm. up animal control and say they'd seen an alligator in the canal or something. <laughs> and yeah, you know, they all do it apparently because he, then you know months later he's sitting down watching Animal Control the TV yeah. series and they're looking for an alligator now. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been chuffed with that. He oh that would have made his day. No, because his mum ringing up and went, "You've gone too far." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ross Nova's classic. Yeah, you know? that'd be a dream to get him on here one day. Oh. I think it'd be easier than you, you think. Really? Yeah. Well, I know at the moment he's doing filming. He's out here filming the Celebrity Apprentice because yeah. I listen to his podcast. Yeah. Which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. No, we're not affiliated, but it, check it out. It's Ross Noble podcast. But um, yeah, he's out here at the moment filming yeah. filming Celebrity Apprentice. But he's he lives here six months out of the year apparently, yeah. and lives in the UK six months out of the yeah, year because well, his wife's Australian. Yeah, she is. Um, yeah, because he used to live here, and then his house burnt yes. down. Yes. Yes. Correct. And then he was thinking about moving to Queensland or back home to mm-hmm. England. Yeah. And where he was going to move to in England got flooded. Uh, <laughs> so, so he Queensland was like, it is. So he was like, bullet dodged. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he, no, yeah, he moved back to the UK. Yeah. Um, no, if, well, if you have a contact with Ross Noble, please feel free to send <laughs> us an email at... The true and the fictional at gmail.com. Excellent. Jamie says it because I can't remember things. Yeah, well, unless they're not. It took me. It took me a a while to remember it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you've got any other stories, you know, you know, you know, if you've been listening this long enough, you know, at the end of every episode, we're going to say, if you've got stories, send us an email at thetrueandthefictional at gmail dot com. Yeah, and And we would love to hear from you, and we we want to work on a listener episode of stories, so keep them coming. Yep. So I'll see you next time, and. Feel free to do some hoaxes and let us know how it goes. The truth is out there. Do, 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 do. <laughs>